Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. I love that opening music. My producer loves it as well. Uh, I'm Don, as indicated, I'm Don Mazzello, and we have a very interesting program t- uh, today. Uh, you know, we're into the holiday season, and everybody's worried about will our packages arrive on time, um, and will, will uh, our local vendor or our uh, national vendor have the product when, when we want it? Well, we have a very unusual guest today. Jason Roberts, he's co-founder of FreightView. He talks about three things. One, how to save mo- how small businesses can save money you know, on the shipping costs, which he t- indicated to me just now is about 10% of their co- uh, costs. Uh, two, make sure that it gets delivered on time. And three, um, uh, figure a, a way that they can uh, track it. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I hope that introduction um, covers what we're going to talk about. But as we ask all of our guests, tell us a little bit about yourself personally, Jason, before we get into anything else. Well, sure. I live in Kansas City. Um, Our business is located in Overland Park, Kansas which is a suburb of Kansas City. Um, I, my background is as a programmer, so I went to DeVry and got a degree in information systems. And while I was there, I knew I needed to get out in the real world and get some real experience. And so that's how I got into the logistics industry over a $2 difference. I interviewed at a few places, and Yellow Freight offered me $2 more than the next guys. And so I got into transportation, starting as an intern with Yellow, Help them build some of their first web applications and then helped start an internal startup that became transportation.com. So we spun that out and had a great time building that business. And then I moved over to another company in Kansas City called FreightQuote, which would, uh, was another startup that grew rapidly and became the largest online freight brokerage. And the whole time, my whole career has been dealing with that intersection of freight and logistics with technology and how to use technology to make freight more accessible and simpler for just real-life people. And that's kind of what leads up to starting FreightView. You're on a roll. Tell us what FreightView does and how it started and all the details. 
Well, sure. So after working at Freyquote and uh, working in the, the freight industry for, uh, for such a long time, you know, we looked out across small and mid-sized businesses that were shipping freight, moving commercial freight, usually palletized shipments, things that weigh more than 100 pounds or so. And we saw that the, those businesses really had two ways to manage their freight. They could either outsource everything to one carrier or one broker, give up a lot of their control and just have one person handle all their freight shipping for them. Or more commonly, they had gone out and negotiated rates with a variety of different carriers who could move their freight and some brokers who could help them out. And now they had this network of service providers to move their freight, but they were, um, they were having to spend a lot of time on the phone and emailing and uh, going to different carrier websites just to get the rates on every shipment. And, and we saw that there could definitely be a better way, and that's uh, how we created FreightView. We uh, designed it to be software that's available over the cloud so they can use it uh, from wherever they're at, whatever, wherever they're sitting, and whatever device they're using. And it basically works like Expedia in that they can see all their freight rates in one place on one dashboard, but it's better than Expedia because it's not just generic rates that anybody could go get. It's their own rates that they went out and negotiated with their vendors. So now all their rates are in one place so they can uh, quote their shipments, schedule their pickups, print their documents, and track it uh, from pickup to delivery. Well, that sounds exciting and interesting. But is is really um, – do a lot of small companies have that much – uh, uh, freight business that they that they have to put put a system like yours in place. Yeah, you bet. There's about a million freight shippers in the United States, give or take, and a big portion of those, um, over a hundred thousand, are shipping enough volume to need software like FreightView. So, we focus on small and mid-sized businesses that ship five to I don't know about twenty-five less than truckload freight shipments a day. A lot of companies doing that, and the the interesting thing when I go talk to these companies is that most of them have been investing in technology for generations in other areas of their business. So they've invested in a website, uh, maybe with an online store. They have customer relationship management software for their sales reps. They almost certainly have accounting software to manage their finances, and yet in this area of managing their freight transportation, they're doing it without software the old-fashioned way. And so it's such a huge gap that we've been able to step into and quickly fill. Well, you, you say 5 to 25 less than um, um, trailer load, LTL. Mm -hmm. but, but let me ask you the question. Are we talking to, uh, uh, to consumers? Are we talking to other businesses? When you say freight, what do you mean by that? Sure. So freight shipments tend to move from business to business. So they're from a port to a warehouse or from a vendor to a factory or a warehouse or a distributor, sometimes directly to the end user if it's something particularly big or heavy. But most freight shipping is going between businesses. So it's about getting your inventory in or selling to your, your customer who's also a business. So we're really not talking about the consumer side of the business. We're talking about the business, business B2B side of the business. 
That's where most of the freight is done. We certainly have customers that are shipping directly to their end consumer, whether they're shipping maybe miniature motorcycles or home improvements, um, parts. But most of our business is shipping to other businesses. Well, it's interesting. You say there's about a million such companies in the United States. Uh, that's a number I've not heard before. Uh, uh, is that a, a number that we can pretty well uh, hang our hats on? You know, it's a pretty rough number. There's several different estimates. That's the one that, that we favor from what we've read. And obviously that ranges from true micro shippers who are shipping maybe once a year or a couple of times a year or, you know, maybe once or twice a week, all the way up to massive shippers like Procter & Gamble and Home Depot. And so that's why we're focused on people who are shipping enough freight to need software, but not the people that have been the target of uh, traditional software in this industry. This idea of transportation management software, or TMSs, has existed for a couple of decades, but all of them have been focused on really big businesses with a lot of freight, and so they're really complex and expensive and take a long time to implement. We're the first system to bring some of those capabilities to the smaller, mid-sized business. Um, well, uh, let's go into We're not talking about people who use uh, UPS and uh, FedEx. We're t really talking about people who um, the over-the-road uh, truckers and people like that. Am I right on that? That's right. We're talking mostly about less-than-truckload or LTL shipments, so palletized shipments that are going – UPS actually has a freight division, FedEx has a freight division, but then there's lots of other players in the market. So there's YRC in Kansas City, there's um, there's SIA, and just so many other companies that move palletized freight through their network. Well, you know, uh, we, we live near the top of the New Jersey Turnpike, <coughs> and there, there is a... a um, A rest area, truck arrest area. And every night is filled. And um, having been involved with freight at some point in my, in my career, um, I've always wondered. Uh, it, that's really the lifeblood of a lot of a lot of things that we often overlook in, in our general lives. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Um, over two thirds of freight shipments in the United States move by truck. So most of the things that are around us every day have spent at least part of their life moving in a truck to get to where they're at. And, um, you know, lots of truck drivers. My dad was a truck driver for a while. Lots of people out there on the roads at all hours uh, driving safely and making sure freight gets where it needs to. And we really think that freight view can be a benefit to the whole transportation industry because by improving communications and making it easier for carriers and shippers to do business, we're opening up a lot of opportunities for uh, for carriers and shippers to work together. It would seem to me that uh, the brokers are the ones that would really lose in this in your environment that you're talking about here. Usually, a customer who adopts FreightView has already made that choice. So it's not that they're looking to move from a broker to asset-based carriers or vice versa, but they've already established their network. They've most of our customers have made a choice, at least not to be exclusive with a broker. They, they usually have a broker, but our typical customer is working with six or more asset-based carriers and one or two brokers. So they are 
they're giving the majority of their freight most times to an asset-based carrier, a set of asset-based carriers, and then they're filling the gaps with their brokers. Mm. Um, well, this the, your software and your your uh, offering <clears throat> is really designed for the individual uh, small business. How do you pay for it? So FreightView is a is a subscription cost. So a shipper who wants to try it out, they go to our website at freightview.com, and we give everyone a free trial so they can try it out for a month. We're Unlike anything else on the market, we can have a new shipper up and going in 24 hours with this system, without, so they don't even skip a beat. And then after they've used it for a month and it's really proven to them the benefits and how it fits them, then we charge them um, a monthly subscription charge. Is it based on volume, or is it based on just a flat rate, or how, how does it work? It's no. based on the number of locations they have, whether that's you know warehouses or factories. So it's charged per location. So just like if you have two warehouses, you have to buy two snow shovels and you have to buy two doormats, then you'd use mm-hmm. two instances of freight view. But we don't charge per shipment or anything like that because we don't want there to be a tax on using it. We don't want them to ever hesitate to use freight view for their next shipment. We want them to just dive right in. And, and use it for all their freight. You know, uh, how did you come up with this idea? <clears throat> well, I've been working in transportation technology for a long time, so and I've been exposed to a lot of large companies. I've helped build some TMS software for larger companies and saw how they used it, but I also saw that the features in those software packages just didn't fit smaller companies. The the bloat of features that, sure, a Procter & Gamble or a Barnes & Noble needed just didn't fit a company that was doing this amount of freight. And um, I've always specialized in making uh, user interfaces that are really accessible to people, that make software just seem simple, like make the computer disappear and get out of the way. And I knew that we could do that in this space, too. So that's what we, that's what we built out. Well, I went on to your website and kind of fooled around with it a little bit. I, we don't have anything to ship. And I thought it was very, uh, your, your offering was very intuitive and easy to use. Um, what are some of the tr- things that you learned in terms of um, making it easier for people to use your, your software and other software? Mm-hmm. I think part of it is just using clear language writing like you talk and not having some stilted fake language that that people tend to put into websites and into software that that just isn't the way they really talk to people. So I think that's part of it. I think part of it is paying really close attention to the fit and finish, making sure that you know lines line up and uh, fonts make sense. And a lot of it is just empathy, just putting yourself in the shoes of that person who has a shipment to book or has some other task to perform I was trying to picture what it's like to be them and and have a lot of empathy towards them and make the system that you'd want to use. Um, we've we were able to take this process. Your average shipper spends 20 to 30 minutes booking a single freight shipment, and just by thinking through that process and making it really simple for them, we condensed that down to about a minute. Hmm. That's a real time saver. You know, uh, for a long time, people kind of neglected the shipping part of the business. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in the last 10 or 15 years, people are beginning to realize how much money is really involved in shipping. 
Yeah, there's so much money. Like you mentioned at the beginning, companies tend to spend, if they're shipping freight, they tend to spend about 10% of their revenues on freight. So it's a huge part of their business. And, you know, if they're growing quickly, freight tends to be one of the first things that slows them down because, you know, it starts as somebody's part-time job and then they, they hit some point where they're shipping enough freight where they've got to decide, do I make it somebody's full-time job? Do I hire someone in to take over freight shipping? And, and FreightView allows a company to put off that decision for a while, to allow that person who's doing it part-time, free up some of their time and, and let them work on other things like customer service and working with vendors. Or if they already have a person or two in their shipping department, it allows those people to move a lot more freight before they have to go hire another person. You use the word freight, um, but what are some some of the types of uh, um, uh, of products or or equipment that really uh, involve freight? And, and uh, I'll put it a different way: What's the most un- unusual thing that you've ever had to deal with at freight view? <laughs> sure. Well, freight is basically anything that's um, too big or too heavy to go by the U.S. Postal Service or FedEx or UPS's parcel services. So typically over 100 pounds or, you know, big, big stuff. And so that can really be any sector. We have customers in manufacturing, in uh, wholesale trade, uh, customers in every part of the marketplace. The, the most unusual thing, I think, was our very first shipment when we launched FreightView. Somebody signed up who shipped flagpoles. And so they, they came online and shipped flagpoles. So you can imagine these are very, very long shipments that kind of don't take up much space in the truck, but take up a, a long length of the truck. And so it's kind of funny that that was our first shipment. But we've dealt with canoes and fun noodles that go in pools and uh, statues and you name it. Imagine, uh, imagine it is. I saw um, a very long truck to just uh, today on the on the highway that had spools of wire, uh, it had six spools of wire, um, and it, uh, it just boggled my mind, and I, I thought of you, because I knew you were coming on the program. <coughs> uh, how, uh, how does the system work? Does that trucker, does he check in, or how does it work? So at least in the, the less-than-truckload space, the way it works is, Basically, every company, every small, mid-sized business goes and negotiates rates. Maybe they don't even realize they're negotiating rates because their sales rep just dropped off some rates, but they've, they've set up some rates. So what, what FreightView does is connects out to their different carriers so that when they run a quote and say, you know, I've got a spool of wire to, to move or I've got a pallet of freight to move, it takes the information that they put in about the size and weight and so on of their shipment and behind the scenes, it reaches out and connects to each of their carrier websites and pulls in their negotiated rates for a shipment just like that and displays them all in one place. So they're able to make a trade-off between uh, how fast it's going to get there versus uh, how much it's going to cost and quality and so on. And as soon as the, they say, well, I want to go with SIA's guaranteed service that will get it there in three days, they've made that choice. Then FreightView handles communicating all the details over to the carrier so they're ready to pick it up. So the carrier schedules the pickup, they send out a driver, and when they get there, they have the bill of lading documents that, the, that was printed out of FreightView. The pallets have labels stuck to them with tracking numbers on them that were also printed out of FreightView. And so they're just able to use their scanner to scan it and load it on their truck, and off they go. But, but the, does the... Um 
the trucker and the, the broker, do they need um, Freightview um, software to do their job? No, because we're able to connect out to their website. So they're using their own systems to do their jobs, and we're able to connect to those carrier and broker websites to pull in the information that we need. So they don't have to switch over and use our software. Uh, they just keep using their own software, and we're able to pull in the information. Do you ever run into that someone is still not using uh, uh, automated systems, et cetera, and what happens then? So right now we're building out a new area of freight view, which is focused on truckload freight, so full truckloads. When, when you can't move your freight with other people's stuff on a truck and you need a whole truck of your own, and that, that truck that you saw with six spools of wire was probably a full truckload shipment. Somebody was using that whole truck. And it, it, that is a more uh, manual environment, and so that's what we're building out right now. And when we roll that out in early 2016, it will be much more focused on an individual uh, broker or driver or dispatcher who needs to um, review the, the rate quote and submit their price back into FreightView so the customer can see it. Um, can you spell out your website for, for our audience? Sure. So it's uh, Freight View. So Freight is F R E I G H T, and then View V I E W. It's just FreightView.com. How did you come up with the name? Well, so we started, as I mentioned before, inside of FreightQuotes.com, and that had been a great name for years. FreightQuote. If you need a quote for some freight, you go to FreightQuote.com, and so we were looking for something similar. And um, we knew that one of the big issues out there in the marketplace today, one of the reasons driving people to adopt software was just visibility. They wanted visibility to where they were spending their money. Their customers wanted visibility to where their freight was. And so we thought View fit well. So we went, we had Freight Quote, and then we adopted Freight View. And then we spun out as a completely separate company in the fall of 2014. So we were completely separate of Freight Quote, but it was still a really valuable name for us to be out there. And, um, and since then, we've uh, we've made a lot of progress under it. Well, uh, Jason, you've really been a great guest, and uh, you, you certainly educated me, and I, I hope our audience as well. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Well, come, come back again in the new year when you have your new product, and we'll talk some more. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Well, thank you. You're really terrific. Our next guest is Victoria Amory. She has an unusual product, an unusual way of doing things. Welcome to the program, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Victoria, we always ask our guests first to tell a little bit about themselves personally before we talk about anything else. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. Um, I was born in Spain a long time ago. And um, um, now I live in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I'm passionate about good food and eating well. And and um, I grew up in a large household where every meal was sort of like a you know feast because there were so many of us, and so it was always like a party. And um, with sort of very traditional and very um, classic in a way. And so when I moved to America, I sort of brought that sort of, I guess. 
way of doing things and way of of entertaining and ways of running a house to 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 here to to how I live every day and um so I started writing articles about how to entertain and and but in a very simply in a very simple way in a very sort of elegant way but not elegant meaning expensive elegant meaning simple being you know sophisticated but very simple and um so from those articles I did I wrote um a few books and then from those books I did um a few television shows and I was a guest in in uh, some television shows both here and in um Europe and then from that I decided that I really wanted to create a brand of products that represented what I wanted to represent which is very simple elegant clean uh you know great food something that really would enhance your everyday and uh and that's how I came to do the condiments and and because really the way we eat and the way we live and the way we entertain is it needs to be very simple because there's so many more things going on than than uh, around us and so I wanted something that would just make your everyday meals you know amazing and, and that's what's what the name of your so the name of the company is Victoria company? Amory is Victoria Amory again because I felt like because I had a writer's background that my name signified you know what I wanted to signify, and so I, and also because, <laughs> frankly, I couldn't come up with another name. I tried for a long time to come up with like you know the kitchen of Victoria or Victoria's Secret was already taken, so <laughs> I couldn't use that. Um, and so I decided that you know I I really wanted the brand to represent me, and um, and so it has my name. Well, I have to tell you, it's a great name. Victoria oh, well, Amory. Absolutely, thank you, thank you. It, it really stopped me when I saw it. Um, but but you say a condiment company. Explain what you mean. Well, I make mayonnaises, ketchup, different types of mayonnaise, different types of ketchup, mustard, um, hot pepper sauces, and um, we've just launched a collection of flatbread crisps. So condiments are sauces that enhance. You know, from sandwiches to salads to everything, really. Um, we actually make Bloody Marys with one of the ketchups we have because it's so clean and delicious that you just want to drink it. <laughs> um, so condiments, yeah, mayonnaises. We have um, we have four different types of mayonnaise. I wanted them to be very European, but also very um, comforting. I don't know if the word is comforting, but very understandable. So we have a roasted garlic mayonnaise, which is sort of like a you know, my version of an alioli. So alioli is very strong, raw garlic. It's made with really strong raw garlic. And my roasted mayonnaise is made with roasted garlic. So it's it's mellower, still garlicky and flavorful, but it's not as pungent as raw garlic would be. Um, we have a classic lemon mayonnaise, which I think is amazing. And it sort of goes with everything with fish. And it's just like our you know, like a like a, a great, great basic mayonnaise, but it's very lemony. Um, uh, we have a hot pink mayonnaise, which is our la- la- last, uh, newest mayonnaise, which has Anaheim peppers and chili de arbol pepper. So it's it's again a sort of very elegant, spicy mayonnaise. So it's 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 delicate, but it has definitely a kick. And then we have a fine herb mayonnaise or fine herb mayonnaise which is reminiscent of um, Bernays sauce. 
so it has that sort of tarragon and dill and but because it's a mayonnaise it's also delicious with you know fish and salads and salmon and and all those sort of more summery kind of thing but it also because it's because it's a it's a real mayonnaise it's made with real eggs and real olive oil uh it also can stand you know um steak and so you can use it as a bernaise sauce um then our ketchups sorry no go ahead you're on a roll I'm on a roll here. I'm just describing every product. Um, so the ketchups are also very sort of European in a way, even though there's no such thing as European ketchup. But this one has have definitely a, um, a strong flavor towards Europe. So one is champagne ketchup, which is delicious, and that's the one we make Bloody Marys with. Um, sherry ketchup has is made with aged sherry vinegar. So it has that sort of, in a way, exotic depth of flavor, but it's also amazing with, like, meatloaf. And, you know, any sort of meaty lamb, you know, turkey burgers, that kind of thing. And then the last ketchup is a is a smoky barbecue ketchup. So it's like a mixture between a barbecue sauce and a ketchup, but even though it definitely has a ketchup profile. I'd let you go through the, the whole thing because it, it, when I read about it, it sounded so um, uh, mouth-watering. Uh, unfortunately, I usually get to taste them, but but uh, uh, your people did not send me any for us to try, so I uh, I can't give you an endorsement, but I can say that... Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. I will totally send you some tomorrow. (laughs) Well, uh, but the more important thing, let's let's talk. First off, how did you... um, Where do you make them, and how do you you make your product, and where do you make it? Um, so the recipes are mine. They're, I develop the recipes, um, and every single ingredient is, you know, is a strong ingredient. One of my theories in cooking is that you don't really need a thousand ingredients to make a delicious dish. As actually, the fewer ingredients, the better, because it's cleaner and and the flavors come through. So all the recipes are really, you know, all the recipes, all the formulas, which are now called, um, are very, very simple. Um, and they really taste like I would make them at home because it, they have four ingredients. Um, we make them in a small artisanal factory in Pennsylvania um, where I, I looked at, I don't know how many factories, I have to tell you, a lot, um, until I found these ones that I felt their standard were you know, excellent. And, um, and so I work with them, and it's been fantastic. It's been super great. Okay, now you have the product. You're on this program, and you're on other programs. And where do you, where do people get your product, and how did you get them on the shelf? Um, we're in about 1,200 stores right now. We're only two years old. Uh, we launched in January 2014, and we are in the. You know, everybody starts with we're in Whole Foods, <laughs> so we're in Whole Foods in New York and New Jersey. Um, we're also in Central Market. We're in Zupans in Oregon. We're in um, um, uh, Southern Seasons in the Carolinas. We are in uh, Mrs. Greens. We are in um, where else are we? Well, oh, Twelve hundred stores. It's a lot. That is a lot. So a lot of them. It's them? a lot. It's I. I really. Um. I started doing what well, I do most of the as, as many food shows as I possibly can. So I do fancy food, 
um, which I've done both San Francisco and New York. Um, and now I'm really doing, um, you know, as I go into different regions and I feel like I have a little, you know, like a mini, and I'm talking mini, a mini following, uh, then I try to do like one of the larger regional shows. And I really feel that that puts me in front of the of the local people. They're ultimately are the ones that are going to be buying my product. So I did the food and wine show in Greenwich. I'm doing the food and wine show in um in Charleston, which I'm very excited about in March, and I try to go into sort of areas that I that I see we're shipping product to because they're ordering because they've seen us in Bon Appetit or in Vogue or in you know in sort of nice glossy magazine, um, and then and and then I sort of try to go to that area and pick out the top specialty food stores and and just go talk to them. I mean, I just I'm in the car cold calling. <laughs> You know, I uh, and I just call the managers and say, you know, can I send you some samples and would you like? And then they call me back and say, yes, we'll love to carry it. And some of them are incredibly successful uh, relationships, and some of them are not so brilliant. But you know, little by little. Well, it's interesting. You said you were in Vogue. Did you buy an ad in Vogue or? or did no, you? it was an editorial. They were doing a Christmas list. It was actually this time last year. Um, they were doing a Christmas list and they picked up, I had, um, one of the things I like about my brand or one of the things I want to do with my brand is really make it more, um, obviously a food brand, but uh, mixing lifestyle with food. I think that, you know, I just think it's quite important to, to have that combination. And so I have a mini collection of ceramics and silverware and accessories that go on the table with the condiments. So um, I had a little jar, a silver jar with a, an adorable spoon, and you know, and Vogue picked that that particular gift box. So they they put it on the, they put it. So I was in Vogue. I was very excited. <laughs> um, well, you should be. But wait a second. You say you 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 uh, matched your condiment with um, uh, some sort of a bowl. It was a it was a it was a ketchup with a silver um, with a silver jar. It was like a silver, like a jam jar. It's actually a jam jar. So it's like a silver jam jar that has a liner with glass. It has a glass liner, so it doesn't, you know, so the vinegar doesn't turn the silver weird. And it's just a wonderful way of serving the ketchup on the table without having to put the actual you know, the actual glass jar, you put a silver jar, which is sort of always much more elegant and more refined and whatnot. And so that's what Vogue now, liked. Now, that's a clever idea. How did you come up with that? Well, because when as a writer, and I, when I used to write about entertaining and lifestyle and, you know, what, how to set the table, one of the basic rules is no labels on tables because you don't want to plop a bottle of ketchup on the table. So when I started the when I started my line, I thought, okay, well now what am I going to do? I've spent the last ten years saying no labels on tables, and now I want everybody to put my jar on their table. How am I going to, you know, <laughs> how am I going to undo what I've done? And so I thought, well, you know, the, the the answer really is to come up with a wonderful line of accessories that goes with the condiments that people can put on the table. And so I found this great Belgium company. Um, that had a beautiful line, and I worked with them to create the line. Well, what, what, um, well, what's your special for this year? 
So actually, we're doing ceramics this year. We have little ceramic ramekins that are absolutely adorable, and they just went on the website uh, this morning. Um, And they are just really cute. They're not silver. um, They're just less expensive, and and, and they're like really little um, ceramic cups. I call them ramekins, but, you know. It sounds as if your your line is. In, uh, well, what do you charge at retail for some of your products? Um, uh, anywhere from six fifty to nine ninety nine. There are some stores that are selling them at nine ninety nine, which I think is crazy. Uh, but I think the majority is between six fifty seven fifty, something like that. Well. I'm really looking forward uh, now. Now you've whetted my appetite. You've uh, whetted my appetite. <laughs> I think. Well, we'll send definitely uh, send your huge box tomorrow. Um, please do because. Um, uh, um, but now, how are you financing this? Uh, your company. Well, um, I um, actually sold a bunch of jewelry to start the company. And we, and then that's it. That's all I've done. So um, I need to look for. I don't know what to look for. I'm not sure if I should look for. Um, you know, st- I, I really would love a strategic investor or sort of some sort of wonderful CEO. Um, you know, someone that can really take us to the next level because it's really hard and it's um, it's a very small club. What I'm finding is is that it's a very very small club. And um, you either know everybody or you have a huge amount of money. And so um, so it's been a really interesting uh, path to get to where I am, but I definitely need help now. So financing, right now I'm, I'm doing it myself, but um, you know, I work from home. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very, very sparse. <laughs> Well, it sounds. What well, what made you do? You, you said you were a writer, then you decided to do this, uh, mm-hmm. and you're two years into it. Uh, right. Do you, do you feel you made the right decision? Oh, absolutely. I am so. I have to tell you that when I do these, when I go to do demos, or when I do a food show, and or even when I'm walking down the street and people come up to me and say, "Oh my God, oh my God, you made our dinner." You know, I used your garlic mayonnaise for a chicken salad, and my husband just totally loved it. I mean, that makes my day. Or, you know, repeat customers, which is always fantastic. And, and oh, no, no, totally, totally. I feel like I made the right decision. I think I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I think my product is phenomenal. And, um, and I think that I'm being, I'm, I'm making a lot more people happier uh, by doing this than by writing where I wasn't reaching, you know, um, I'm not in a garden, so you're not reaching, you know, the huge numbers that you need to reach in order to to make it successful. And I really feel like like, like I, I just love seeing the face of happiness when people try my products. Well, you certainly sell your product well. <laughs> uh, well, if I don't... <laughs> Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. You're trying to break in. Someone has said that Americans are not, uh, outside of ketchup and mayonnaise, Americans are not really people that like to uh, garnish their meals. 
but you're trying to convince them to do that. Has it been difficult? Mm, well, not really. One of the one, I mean, it, it's always difficult. You know, um, ketchups and mayonnaise. Um, has it been difficult? Well, it's not easy to convince people otherwise. But I think that mayonnaise is such a is so ingrained in our culture and food and recipes and whatnot that to the the idea of using flavored mayonnaise is, is sort of wonderful. Um, so no, in that sense, it hasn't been hard. It hasn't been hard because people are very aware of what a mayonnaise should taste like or looks like or what they can do with mayonnaise. So no, and the same with ketchup. It's just it's just a different way. You know, when I talk to people about cooking with ketchup, which they normally do, right? Um, there are tons of recipes where you add ketchup to the meatloaf or the chili or the whatever, and I'm like, well, try it with this one. It will be a t- so much better, and 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 it's true. So no, it's not difficult. It's not difficult because it's already there are ingredients that are already in your pantry. We're just trying to make them way better. Hmm. What's your website? VictoriaAmory.com. Okay, can you spell it out for our radio audience? Of course, V I C T O R I A A M O R Y dot com. It's a wonderful name. Don't ever change it. Thank you. <laughs> no, I wasn't planning on it, but thank you. <laughs> no, uh, I, part of the reason you're on the program is I just uh, became enamored of the name. Uh, and uh, what you're doing, uh, I looked at your website, and uh, uh, I de- we definitely want you back in the new year to talk more about your products after we've well, had a chance to, to, to taste them. And also I'm going to send you a, a lead for somebody for you to talk to. Okay, fantastic. Absolutely, I would love to. This is someone you should uh, talk to uh, for uh, press. Uh, We go to her show every year. Uh, She does it four times a year. And I just think that this is, uh, once people really get to know you, I think they're they're really going to like talking about your product. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. No, I, we all no, we need appreciate all the help we can get. <laughs> absolutely, especially this time time of the year. Absolutely, no, no, absolutely. So, Victoria, again, thank you, uh, J- Jason Roberts uh, from from uh, Freightview, Victoria, Victoria Amory, who's uh, uh, whose company is named after her, and uh, who has a very unusual approach to condiments. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Style. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, 
tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.